word that you've, you've got particularly for us today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Um, so, kids, I'm going to give you some absolute grace and excuse you because you don't want to listen to me. You guys want to hang out with your leaders. So, kids, if you're still here, feel free to just follow your leaders out that way. And I know you guys are going to have much more fun out there than you would in here. So, enjoy. All right. Um, loved the worship this morning as well. Thank you so much to our worship team. Um, it's always great. Stu Fell, what a rock star. Love it. On the drums. So good. Um, yeah, so we're looking through Ephesians at the moment, which I am, sorry, <laughs> um, which I must admit is my favorite letter um, in the Bible. I love Ephesians. I love the sort of imagery that Paul writes about in it, kind of all looking towards uh, unity in the church. Uh, talks about later about us all being a body of Christ with Christ being the head. And um, yeah, in this kind of verse or verses, he talks about this idea of us being a holy temple, a, a building, a, a dwelling place where God's spirit can live, uh, which is a pretty kind of beautiful illustration when you sort of start to look at the, the intricacies of what he's going into. Um, but I just kind of want to quickly set the scene. So obviously, um, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was quite a unique city um, that Paul was writing to. They were sort of the epicenter for both Greek and Roman religion of that time. There were lots of temples and huge buildings around at the time. In fact, I was actually incredibly lucky enough in 2012 to actually go to Ephesus when I went to Turkey. There might be an embarrassing photo of me coming up. Hey, there's me and my mum and my bro. Um, so behind is uh, the library of Celsus. Okay. Um, so that is kind of the most still um, built um, building that they have or that we were able to see at the time. So unfortunately that itself isn't a temple in the background, but that was, I was looking for like pictures of temples and wouldn't you know I didn't have any um, with me in it but that's kind of a bit of an idea of some of the buildings that were in Ephesus um, at that time and Paul spent about over two years actually in Ephesus um, doing ministry himself so he really understood the people of that city and he really understood uh, how they worked what the city was like because obviously with this many buildings and temples um, you're going to have a lot of builders who are living in that city you're probably also going to have a lot of maintenance people who are living in that city. If you want to know how much maintenance a big building requires, just ask Craig Lesby. He'll tell you all about it. But essentially, we're looking at a city where there are a lot of builders, there are a lot of sort of maintenance and, and restoration staff who are really understanding these ideas that Paul's speaking about when he refers to a temple. Um, so I don't know about you guys personally, but I'm a pretty hopeless millennial who doesn't really know how to use power tools and not very, I'm not, I wouldn't exactly like fit in well in the men's shed. Let's just put it that way. I'd probably be more of a danger than a help. But essentially, I want to kind of put this idea that Paul's speaking about in the idea of a temple, a holy dwelling place into language that we can understand today maybe a bit more um, as he was writing to people in Ephesus who really understood these ideas of a cornerstone and these walls that were being built up. Um, so M and I um, agree on a lot of things, but one thing we don't agree on is TV shows for the most part. So I kind of love watching like a lot of like sitcoms and stuff, and she loves watching lifestyle shows. Uh, one of her favorite shows is Fixer Upper, uh, which is Chip and Joanna Gaines. They're like this like Christian Texan couple who essentially um, 
find a broken old home that's just falling apart and they essentially renovate it and make it um, better for a family to then live in. So let's quickly cut to a clip. I've been really annoying today and put some videos in my sermon, so hopefully this works. We're Chip and Joanna Gaines. Chip, I need you to hold that up there. Do you like, like that? I love it. We take the worst house in the best neighborhood and we turn it into our client's dream home. Are y'all ready to see your fixer-upper? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Do you have the guts to take on a fixer-upper? In the kitchen is gonna be the biggest deal. This project really is just taking us back to our roots, just doing things on a $30,000 budget, being really smart with every square foot, thinking through every material, every cost. And this is what we do well. So I'm excited about tackling this one. Cool. So Chip and Joanna Gaines, they have obviously, um, yeah, a really successful show that's been around for like six seasons. So they know what it means to renovate a house, to make a house which welcomes a family, which allows people to really enjoy everything that it means to be in a family home. Um, so you'll notice in that little clip there, um, Joanna kind of spoke about the first principle that I want to talk about today that Paul also speaks about uh, in this first little part of Ephesians 11 to 22. And it's this idea of remember. So remembering. So in Chip and Joanna's case, they in this episode that we're going to look at little like clips of, she is talking about this house that they need to renovate. They only have like a budget of $30,000, which sounds like a lot to me, but apparently it's not enough for a house. I don't know much about building, as we've established. Um, but what she says is we don't have much money. We have a small budget for this house. But what we're going to do is we're going to go back to our roots. We're going to remember the sort of lessons that we've learnt back in the beginning. And Paul is writing about a very similar thing from verses 11 to 13. Uh, he uses the word remember twice in the start of verse 11 and 12. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by the body and by human hands. Verse 12, again, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of his promise without hope and without God in the world. And then verse 13, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, remembering where you were from, have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he's telling us to remember sort of three very similar things, but slightly separate ideas that I want to look at. In verse 11, what he's first saying is, I want you to remember what you used to be. I, rem I want you to remember socially how you were kind of maybe not part of a group of Christians, how at one point you were not part of God's people. I know for some of us, we've kind of grown up in the church. Maybe we've even spent a lot of time at this church at the center. But it's a really interesting concept to just remember that all of us at one point or another were not part of God's group, of God's family. I think that's a really important thing to remember when we're trying to build a house for the whole family, as Chip and Joanna are. You know, build a temple of God, a building, a dwelling place, a home where God's spirit can dwell and everyone is welcome. It's really important to remember where we came from, when we can be open-armed, you know, when new people are coming in. And we're so blessed to have an amazing welcome team. And we're so blessed to have people in this church who have a real heart for welcoming. But it's just a really important thing to remember in that social idea of being used to be separate and now we're apart and wanting to open up 
to those people now. Now, the second thing he tells us to remember is where we were spiritually. So he writes, at that time, you were separate from Christ. I think it's so important to remember, remember where we were at because it stops us from being judgmental. (laughs) I think when we remember where we were at, remember where we used to be, it stops us from being exclusive from the people who are maybe currently outside of the group a little bit. And it also stops us from being judgmental of those people who haven't fully experienced the love of Christ yet. And the last point is remember what you've become or who you've become, which is saved. You've been born again as a Christian. And this idea is you've been brought near through the blood of Christ. And as we remember this, as we remember the price that was paid on the cross, it's going to stop us from becoming complacent. (laughs) I think it's really easy for us sometimes. I know it's easy for me just in our day-to-day walk to kind of forget the, the full weight of what Jesus did on the cross. So three times here, Paul's saying in this first little excerpt, remember, remember, remember. Remember where you were socially. Remember where you were spiritually before. And remember what you are now. So I want to look into this. um, Oh, so sorry. As we remember what Christ has done, we, as as members, we will remember together as a body of Christ. Does that make sense? As we remember what Christ has done, we as members will remember together and be more unified as a body of Christ. Um, Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 um, writes what, so Paul's writing here, um, what is going to be the fruit of, of the Spirit in a different way to what we might be used to it in Galatians 5. So he writes, Instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God and the the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It's this whole idea of being thankful for what we have And thankfulness is really going to breed a spirit of unity in this place. And I think that a one huge part of this this remembering, of this thankfulness, of being sort of grateful for what we have, is then building each other up in that encouragement as well. And during our last song today, we're going to, um, I just want to open up the space over there that has been set up. We've just, as last week, just got some bits of paper and some pens. If you really feel the spirit of God putting a word of encouragement on your heart for somebody, a vision for somebody, maybe a, a verse or a psalm, I'd really, really encourage you to, you can just say it to them in person, but sometimes it can be a little bit more achievable to just write it down and give it to them. So I'd really encourage you guys to encourage others as we all remember to be thankful for what God's given for us. So the next kind of idea that I want to look at after remembering is the next um, idea, which is breaking down walls. Um, I'm just going to cut straight to this video because this is going to say it a lot better than I do. All right, boys, let's do some demo today. Woo! Today is demo day. Woo! <laughs> that scared me. Let's go break some stuff, babe. Come on. That scared me. I'm using that. Ah! Go, babe. See That's... what I mean? Got your bag. So today, Chip's got a lot to do. He's got a demo that little kitchen. We've got walls to take out and 
We're gonna need to update all the bedrooms now, all the bathrooms. I really wanna make this thing special for them. This is what you call an open floor plan right here, boys. Yes, yes sir. All right. So I want to quickly look at this um, next section of, of scripture that Paul writes about breaking down walls. So he writes in verse 14, For he himself is our peace, speaking about Jesus, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility, their unfriendliness, their friction, their antagonism. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who are near. You know, it's um, it's kind of shocking for me sometimes when I start looking into the actual relationship that Jews and Gentiles had that Paul's writing about here. I, um, I, I saw this quote, which I, yeah, was just sort of eye-opening uh, by William Barclay. He said that the Jews believed the Gentiles were created by God to be the fuel for the fires of hell. That's pretty heavy. Believe the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. And now what he's saying is, I want you to not just let these people <laughs> who you view as so low come in and be a part of your friend circle, not just be a part of your family. I want you to invite them into the most holy place. Because Paul, obviously, when he's talking about breaking down this wall of hostility, it is somewhat metaphorical, but he's actually a lot of scholars believe referring to a very literal wall, which was in Jerusalem, um, Herod's temple. I think we might have a um, little image up there of these signs that used to be outside the front of these temple walls. Um, and it said, no stranger is to enter within the balustrade round the temple and the enclosure. No stranger is to enter within the balustrade around the temple and the enclosure. Whoever is caught will be responsible for their ensuing death. That's what Gentiles were told as they came up to this temple of God's people, <laughs> that whoever went inside would be killed. So very thankful that we have a better welcome team than that in the center. But it's sort of very eye-opening when you start to think about these sort of walls of hostility that Paul is telling the Jews to break down. If we go to the next uh, slide, there's this image of, uh, it's sort of a, an eagle-eye view, a bird's-eye view of the Temple of Herod. So we see on the far outside, you had the court of the Gentiles. So that's where people who weren't God's people were able to be. And then we go, we see that there's some steps up, about 14 steps that go up to a, that little um, blue sort of border. And then we go up again. And on the far right in that red section, that was the court of the women. So that was sort of the next level of inclusion that um, people were allowed to be. So that was only Jewish women, right? And then we go one step further in, we see that little orange border. That was the court of Israel. So that was the men, the Jewish men who were allowed that little bit closer into something that we're get building into. We get into the court of the priests and then we get into the temple itself right in the middle. And if you can kind of see on the far left, it's quite small, but there's the holy of holies. Now, a lot of you guys probably already know about this idea, but for those of you who don't, the holy of holies was a room 
in the temple of God where God's manifest spirit dwelt. There was a veil that separated this room from the rest of the temple and the highest priest, only the highest priest, could enter once a year for the Day of Atonement where he would sacrifice a bull and sacrifice a sheep for the atonement of the Israelites, for, Ju- for the Jewish people. Can you imagine being the highest priest and on the day of atonement, the day after the Jewish New Year, this is the one day that you can enter a room where God's spirit is manifest. The crazy thing is, we are now all able to enter that room because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's a pretty profound idea and pretty humbling when we think about how this was an experience which was limited to only a very, very select few. But Jesus on the cross tore down the veil that separated everybody from the most holies of holies. But not only that, Paul's saying is breaking down all the walls now. And I think when we think about breaking down a wall, again, for me, I'm kind of thinking with a sledgehammer, I'm thinking it's a chore, I'm thinking it's really hard. Let's be breaking down walls with the joy that Chip Gaines breaks down walls on Demo Day because that's the kind of celebration that we should be having when we get to break down walls and allow more people into the kingdom of God. That's the kind of excitement that we should be having because it's a profound idea that everyone is now welcomed through Jesus into the most holy of holies. If Jesus went through the pain that he did on the cross to tear down the veil, I think we need to be willing to go through sometimes a little discomfort maybe to break down the wall between God's people and those who don't know Jesus. And, you know, I I just want to take this moment as well. My, my, My first point was remembering. I want to be really thankful right now for where we are as a church. I think it's really profound that we are gathered together Two people in some ways kind of becoming one. I know in slightly different context to what Paul's speaking about here, but I still think that it is such a beautiful mirroring of the heart that Paul is writing about in this excerpt of Ephesians, that we were two that now become one unified in Jesus. And I just really want to celebrate that because I think that's really awesome and something that I'm incredibly thankful for. In Galatians 3.28, It's written, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Joanna actually said something really interesting in that video, that clip that we were watching before, when they were talking about knocking down walls. She said, I really want to make this thing special for them, for the family that that they're making this house for. When we're breaking down walls, when we're making this place, God's kingdom, more accessible for people, we're doing it for them. And we need to be so excited to be doing that because it's, it's, it's such an exciting honor to be able to do. The last idea I want to look at that, that Paul speaks about is being Jesus-centered. 
it's this beautiful illustration where everything he's been working up to, talking about breaking down walls, talking about being one people, creating a dwelling place, really comes to its pinnacle. And I really want to uh, quickly look at a last video from Fixer Upper. Demo is completely done. The whole house has been framed on the inside. They also fixed the roof. So now we're really focusing on the inside. Chip is drywalling today, so it's really starting to come together. I need to know how long of a table I can put in here. You need to hold this. <laughs> All right, where to? Okay, so here's the chandelier. Where to, my lady? Keep walking. So this is, let's go to nine feet. Pretty tight. It's funny because I keep forgetting we didn't really move any walls in this dining room. We just opened up the kitchen. So it's not like I can go with a huge table. In my mind, I was thinking eight or nine feet. I really want to push it to nine feet just because I want the Beachams to have plenty of space for their family. Sure. If you could move the nine foot table that way by moving this uh, chandelier over to here. That's what I wonder, is that's what we do. And that buys you. Now you've got three feet, four inches. That's it. So you just need me to move that over a foot? I can move it wherever you want. Is a foot right? Foot is right. So now that we've laid it out, it makes sense to move the chandelier over. Chip's going to get it moved, and the nine-foot table's going to be perfect. Cool. So I want to quickly read this little excerpt, and then we're going to look at that illustration. So verse 18 reads, For through Jesus... We both have our access in one spirit to the Father. I mean, if you want to understand how the Trinity works, that's a beautiful little verse there. Through Jesus, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. If you're of God's household, you're part of God's family having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The first thing I want to look at is this, this idea in verse 20 of Christ being the cornerstone. We know how important it is to be Jesus-centered in our in, in our heads, but I think sometimes we can kind of forget it in our hearts. And I kind of loved this illustration that essentially Chip and Joanna are making this house for a family and they're making the dining room at this point, right? And by its very nature, a dining room is kind of the centre of it is the dining table, right? And they really want to fit in this nine-foot dining table. And they go, oh, it's, it's not really going to fit with the way that everything's spaced out at the moment. So there's kind of two options that they could do. They could base the entire room around this chandelier that's hanging from the ceiling and they could kind of start hacking off bits of this table and, and, and have a smaller table, bits that kind of are a bit awkward or don't work and shorten it and not have the full extent of this table that they were planning to have. Or they can move the chandelier. Are you holding onto a chandelier in your heart that's stopping you from fitting in the entirety of Jesus and making him the center of your life. Maybe there's a chandelier that we have to, have to move or alter, or even maybe we need to throw the chandelier out. I mean, it's just a chandelier. But we need Jesus in the center. 
we are each a temple of God, a, a Jesus-centered temple of God, our, our own bodies, our, our hearts. Not a temple of Netflix, not a temple of, of our kids or our, 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 our spouse, not a temple of our job. <laughs> that we can so often suddenly start to, in our hearts, in our minds, want to alter the way Jesus fits into all of it <laughs> so that we can center it around a chandelier, which in the material world seems really, really important. These things that we, that we hold on to, that we can kind of elevate and put so much importance on. But what Paul is saying is Jesus is the cornerstone on whom the whole building is based. And this idea of a cornerstone, as a lot of you probably know, is it's not just for stability, a, 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 a brick at the corner of a building. It's also a place where two walls which are heading in different directions meet. I think that's a really profound idea as well. Two walls that are heading in different directions meet at the cornerstone of Jesus. I think we always need to be remembering that as we're building God's temple, as we're trying to build God's kingdom at the center, that we're probably going to come across some walls that are going in slight different directions to us, right? Each brick by brick, making two walls, three walls, four walls, as long as they're all coming to the cornerstone of Jesus, it's going to be honoring of God. It's going to be welcoming of his spirit. This other idea that Paul speaks about in verse 20 is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. This is a really interesting idea that you can really quickly glaze over. But the idea is based on what the Bible has been saying in the prophets, in the Old Testament pointing towards Jesus, and in the apostles in the New Testament who are pointing back towards Jesus. It's all pointing towards Jesus. And our foundation of the Word of God, which is the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New, and obviously they, they, they intersect a bit as well, but the whole Word of God is our solid foundation. And if our foundation isn't solid, Jesus himself says that we need to be building on a foundation of rock, not on sand. So I really want to encourage you guys, keep getting in the Word. I know it's such a simple, like, Sunday school thing to say, but just keep getting in the Word of God. And I think one really um, practical thing that I'd encourage you guys to do with that is, if you're not, get plugged into a small group. I'm going to confess, before I came to the center, I was really, really bad with small groups. I just kind of didn't like them. I kind of just struggled with them. I had like some own stuff going on in my own heart that I wasn't a big fan of small groups. But the idea of a small group is going deeper with a community, but also going deeper in the word. That's a really profound idea that I've learned and something that I'd really encourage you guys, if you're not part of a small group, to really get plugged into that being thankful for a unified church together. Verse 22, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit, creating a unified temple, a unified body, a unified congregation, household of God, a family that is then going to invite God's Spirit to come in and dwell. So three points we've looked at today. To, to, to continue to work towards building a house for the whole family, for God's whole family to dwell in. We need to remember, we need to be thankful, we need to be always going back to what we were in our minds to remember to extend that same kind of grace that God gave us to others and to be thankful and to be excited because it's so easy to become complacent, it's so easy to become exclusive. But as we remember 
all of those sort of pretenses are going to fade away. The second idea is breaking down walls and doing it joyfully, <laughs> making a space where the Holy Spirit can dwell, breaking down those walls of hostility, of friction, of alienation. And the last idea is being Jesus-centered. I might uh, get the band to come back up as I quickly pray. God, we thank you so much for this word that we were able to just jump into today. We thank you for this beautiful illustration which Paul gives to us of a temple which is built on a foundation of prophets and apostles which has Jesus as the cornerstone and that invites everyone in to enjoy your spirit. God, I just pray for the center now. I pray for people who are watching online. I pray for people who are here with us in the building. I pray that as we worship in this last song, that God, you would just continue to flow through us, bringing words of encouragement, words of celebration, words of thankfulness that we can share with one another as we continue to build up a holy temple in which your spirit can dwell. In Jesus' name we pray.